0: With eyes unclouded by hate. Does not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice. Hello everyone, my name is Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and I'm here today continuing our series on the five powers, strengths, faculties, whatever you want to call them, and today we're going to be talking about mindfulness. And honestly, this is a topic that could be an entire week in and of itself, and who knows, maybe one day it will be. But today, we're going to be talking about it in context of the five powers. But before we do, if you haven't already, please rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the better chance we have of building a community together. And spirituality is always better when practiced in community. Thank you very much to everybody who's already done that. Okay. So... Mindfulness. Mindfulness is the third of the five powers. So faith leads and builds effort. Effort builds mindfulness. Mindfulness builds concentration. Concentration builds wisdom. Wisdom builds faith. And that is the cycle that we're talking about here. Now, so far, the first two we've talked about and the two we're going to talk about after this, we talk about the balance that this power balances that power. But today we're talking about mindfulness and mindfulness is the pivot point. It is the one thing that pervades all of it. Mindfulness is an amazing tool, energy, power faculty that we have that can do a myriad of things. So what is mindfulness? At its most basic, mindfulness is merely having an awareness of what is going on, but it is a detached, non-judgmental awareness. So instead of going, it's hot, one would realize, oh, it's hot. Or, oh, the temperature is high. Mindfulness is a tricksy thing to develop. And there are many tools and techniques that are available to that focus simply on the development of mindfulness itself. This non-judgmental, non-dual way of seeing the world, of experiencing the world. Now, why do I refer to it as non-dual? Mindfulness is in my way of thinking one of the fruits of the great tree of life from the garden of Eden, which puts it in diametric opposition to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I've already done a podcast on this topic previously. It's called the tale of two trees. If you want to go back and dig into it a little bit deeper, but basically the tree of life is the tree of unity And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the tree of duality. And the reason we refer to it as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is because it's the information giver that points this out from that. There is no hot or cold if you're not judging comfort. Is the sun hot? Well, our sun is relatively cool compared to other stars. So does that make it hot or not you know based on our personal experiences i mean we'd just evaporate if we were put on the surface of the sun so we would call it hot but to be able to make a judgment call like that we have to put two things in opposition to one another we have to look at it from a dualistic way of thinking this is something that we as a species often rather enjoy doing Or we break things up and talk about them as either right or wrong, good or bad, hot or cold, hot or not. You know, there are a lot of different ways that you can think about this. In fact, any time you're saying it's either this or that, you're thinking dualistically. So, in most mindfulness trainings, we are taught to sit with our thoughts and to not judge them, but merely to label them. So while you're meditating, a thought arises. You simply say, thought, and let it go. An emotion wells up, and you just say, feeling. You don't say whether it's a good feeling, or a positive feeling, or a negative feeling, or a bad feeling. You simply label it as it is, feeling. And you let go, and you let it be. This is one of the reasons why I often talk about mindfulness under the via negativa, because a big part of mindfulness is letting go of the dualistic way of thought that we often find ourselves in, where we juxtapose two things against each other so that we can make a value judgment about them. So when I say that effort brings about mindfulness, and you think about some of the examples that I've given on the road to getting getting here you might be asking yourself, well, how does that work exactly? So it's very obvious with meditation, which was one of the first examples that I've given. You accept that meditation should work, so you try it out, and oh well, you're starting to experience the spacious mind, the mind that is absorbed with mindfulness. That's really rather easy. Well, what about some of these others? Like the whole, you know, we should love God with all of our hearts, minds, and spirits, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, one of the quickest ways that that starts developing mindfulness in us is, one, we have to start labeling people, but not in the way that we usually do. Good person, bad person, friend, family stranger. See, Jesus' command is very fun because it simply says neighbor, and so when we encounter any other person, the label that's placed on them is simply neighbor. We don't bring to mind good neighbor, bad neighbor, friendly neighbor, angry neighbor, because the effort that we're putting into the practice is that we have to love our neighbor as ourselves. So... I have to have a basic level of compassion for everyone, no matter who they are. That kind of spacious thinking is tricksy. But with effort, we get there and we start developing a basic mindfulness. Now, this mindfulness is often misunderstood as pure detachment or refusing to... Bring judgment where judgment is required. So, your neighbor is a Nazi, so I'm just supposed to look at them and say, neighbor, not bad neighbor or Nazi. I didn't say that. I said that you need to understand the basic compassion that you have to have for all people. There's a possibility that that person came into the very hateful life that they have because no one actually showed them a different way. Nobody showed them how to be compassionate or live in a compassionate world. Now, I'm not saying that you can hug fascism out of all people, but that is the basic challenge that we are given here. And I'm not saying that you endorse what they do either. That's not what this is saying. And that's where I think people get lost and start looking at this mode of thinking and operating as some kind of moral relativism. Well, hating people because of their ethnicity is not a good thing. It actually violates the basic commandments that we're talking about here, to love one another as we love ourselves, to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. it's, It's a core violation of those basic principles. So of course, it automatically on a philosophical level gets rejected the bigger question is how do we respond to that person well you have to respond with some semblance of compassion that doesn't and that is very important if they're wanting to rant to you about their ethnic superiority you ask them to stop because do unto others as you would ask them to do unto you, you wouldn't want to make a fool out of yourself in public, now would you? And you don't do it in a judgmental way. See, this is where mindfulness really comes into play, and effort, because it's not an easy thing to do. But you find a way, because the ultimate goal here is to find a way to make peace and hopefully eventually to bring them out of that place that they find themselves in. It's a tricky situation and a really hard place to find yourself in. I live in an area that is uh, filled with bigotry, and it would serve no function for me to yell at people every time they make a racist statement. There's actually a lot of evidence that shows that when you merely tell somebody that they're wrong, the actual effect that that has on them is for them to entrench in their inaccurate beliefs. So that's not the way to do it. And we have cognitive science on our side with us. And I'm going to kind of drop that analogy because I think it goes into a place that requires a cer- a entire series on its own at some point where we talk about how to deal with people that are truly not on the side of compassion at all who do not practice the love of God but that, that, that's a topic for another day the real thing here is how do you respond how do you develop mindfulness in that, that state you have to look at them as a neighbor you have to look at them as somebody who has through circumstances developed an erroneous way of living and maybe maybe you never know You might be able to help correct their way of thinking, or they just become somebody that has to be removed from your life. That's a personal choice and a really hard one to make, especially when it's a family member or somebody that was close to you that suddenly reveals the side of themselves. But the real purpose and function of mindfulness in this state is to protect our own hearts. The purpose here is to keep ourselves in a level way of thinking. Mindfulness is the balancing point at which we observe all things. And honestly, in dealing with the people that we were talking about, I know I said I was going to stop, but in dealing with people like that, they, they have their own cycle that you have to go through where you try some, you have faith that maybe this will work. And you try it. That's the effort you mindfully exhibit it. There's concentration and you gain wisdom. You learn whether or not that's a thing that works or not. And again, because all people are different, there are different paths that you have to take with everyone. The main thing here is that we do not debase ourselves in the way that we act around people that we disagree with. We are here to be the children of God. We are here to be peacemakers. We are here to not judge. So my personal way of acting in these situations is not to judge a person because they do not act in accordance with the way things should be. But to merely say the good. Compassion. Preach love. Preach Our own interconnectedness. This is the method that I have chosen. Whether it's the right one or not, time will tell. But you don't platform people that you disagree with. And you have to be careful not to simply entrench them in their negative beliefs. And that is really where mindfulness starts showing itself in our lives. Well, if I do have to love others as I love myself, well, what do I do with these more difficult people? And that's where the gold and the silver rules come in. We have to treat others as we would want to be treated. While being humble, while being peacemakers, while doing everything in our power not to be judgmental to take the moat out of our own eye before we try to take it out of our brothers, our sisters, our siblings. And it's a hard thing to do because, again, in spiritual practice, we don't do (laughs) the easy things. Yelling, screaming, jumping up and down, shouting. Oh, they're fun. They make you feel better, at least for a moment. But they're not proper way to act and i don't mean that in some kind of dualistic right or wrong thing you will learn as i have over time that they don't accomplish what we want them to accomplish in acting out in giving into these baser instincts and urges often all we do is make the situations that we're in worse Learning first and foremost to see the world as it is, without judgment, is a step on the way to wisdom. Now, wisdom, when we get there, is what will tell us how to deal with these other situations. Every situation is different. Every interaction that we have with people is different. Every practice or belief that we are testing is different. And learning to be mindful in those moments, to have that detachment where we can simply say thought, feeling, action, word, deed, person, it helps us to figure out what we are actually doing, what we're actually accomplishing, what's actually happening around us. And the more we practice mindfulness, the clearer we see the world. The clearer we see the world the better we can guess because most of life is guessing what the proper best action to take next is and that's really what we're learning here we're gathering data we're seeking the information if i do this what happens we don't immediately cast judgment We take it in, we learn, we see, and that's the real power of mindfulness. It's also very helpful when you find yourself in trouble, troubling situations, because troubling situations have a way of arising when you are putting a new practice into your life. And I've discussed that on a previous episode as well, um, Mindfulness helps us to realize that life is what life is. And while some people can take that into a nihilistic place, and some people can take that into a morally relativistic place, what you will learn by this practice of these five powers is next we go to concentration and then into wisdom and then we've finished a cycle. We have the information we need to figure out what needs to be tweaked, what needs to be made better when we go through the next one. And that's really the secret to life. Life is iterative. We try. If it works, we continue. If it doesn't work, we change some things. We tweak some things. And then we try again. All life is iterative. There is rarely, if ever, a solution that you can find that will fit every problem. There's rarely an answer that will fit all versions of the question or satisfy everyone that hears it. But learning to study without judgment, learning to see the world without judgment, helps us to grow in wisdom and that wisdom helps us learn how we should act in the various situations we find ourselves in. It helps to keep us safe and it helps to keep us grounded in our basic principles. Because the, one of the biggest differences between mindfulness and its opposite, which is reactiveness. When we allow ourselves to simply react and we're not thinking anymore. And we have the greatest chance of hurting ourselves and others. So we try to learn to see the world without judgment. So that we can take action rather than mindlessly, heedlessly lashing out. It's not easy. But what on the spiritual path is? I hope you've enjoyed this episode. This has been a tricksy topic to try to discuss because there are so many miscomprehensions, misunderstandings as to what it means to be mindful. It's not merely having a stoic detachment. It's about seeing things as they are so that we can find better solutions going forward. It's not just accepting, well, that's the way it is. It's about taking in all the information so that we can actually plan a better reaction instead of just reacting. If you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't already, please do rate this episode or podcast wherever you're listening to me. It does help out a lot. If you've got a buck, you can throw my way in the show notes. You'll find a link to the community support page. That money helps me do everything that I do and It's greatly appreciated if you can do that. If you don't have any money right now, or you don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. I do not do this for the money. I do this because these are hard lessons that I've learned over my own life, and I'm trying to share to hopefully make your life a little bit easier. Especially than mine has been. (laughs) And I haven't even had it all that bad. If... You know, anybody that you think would like this podcast, do share it with them. That helps out immensely as well. If you want to contact me, you can do so by leaving a voice message or by hitting me up on social media. You can find links to everything that I do over at wisdomscry.com. And until next time, may God bless you and keep you ever growing in wisdom and compassion. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.